<laughs> Sarah, you're being so Brand- lit right now. Brandy, quit being so lit. Brandy, you you at the party right now, you're just like com- being completely lit, and I like don't know how to handle it. I'm trying to study for my sociology exam. Yeah, you can't be getting lit in the dorm room. In the common, I can go to the common room, but like you're gonna blast this like Lil Pump Kanye West song, and I like don't want to have any of it. Bed, 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 bed. <laughs> I'm trying to study for the Vodafone Five exam, and <laughs> you're gonna keep playing this <laughs> music. Brittany, you know I told you I don't like it when you invite your boyfriend over. <laughs> <laughs> he smells weird and he always brings over that weird <laughs> food and it's like I don't know what's in that excuse me <laughs> Brittany yo what up my name's <laughs> how's it going I'm on the varsity football team I like friends favorite show is probably how I met your mother he's so he's so mystical <laughs> <laughs> he's spiritual and not religious <laughs> He has a tattoo of his mom. It says <laughs> on it. <laughs> and like with like a big heart on it. It's so cute. Yeah. So where were you born? Uh, well, <laughs> Cleveland. What part of Cleveland? Oh, the <laughs> part of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Oh, whoa. Is that near like Poughkeepsie? No. <laughs> no, that's in New York. How would you say that? Uh. <laughs> all right i'm ready to go that bit's got legs all right time dot is baby it was the dawn of the third age of mankind 10 years after the earth minbari war the babylon project was a dream given form its goal to prevent another war by creating a place where humans and aliens could work out their differences peacefully it's a port of call home away from home for diplomats hustlers entrepreneurs and wanderers. Humans and aliens wrapped in 2,500,000 tons of spinning metal, all alone in the night. It can be a dangerous place, but it's our last best hope for peace. This is the story of the last of the Babylon stations. The year is 2258. The name of the place is Babylon 5. Hello and welcome to Chats, a television podcast, season six, Chats Salon 5. My name is Alan, and I'm joined by a moon-faced assassin of joy. It's Magellan. Hi, Magellan. I'm gonna kill ya. Oh my god, he's, <laughs> he's running around with a little shanky knife. I'm so scared. <laughs> oh my god, he's poking everyone. Oh my god, that's the president you just, oh my god. Oh no, he's bleeding out. Oh no. Oh, oh no. Oh how's it going uh the spirit of of the gremlin magellan it's going good man i've reincarnated as just a you know just an average joe just a regular faced assassin assassin of joy yeah what the hell does moon faced mean like shaped like the moon i think he's drunk oh oh i don't know he's drunk (laughs) (laughs) donkey donkey he's drunk donkey (laughs) Here on Chatslon 5, we talk about television shows, and specifically this season, we talk about Babylon 5. This week, we watched Season 1, Episode 3, Born to the Purple, as well as Season 1, Episode 4, Infection. 
we're going to get right into it by talking about Born to the Purple, which was written by Larry Dottilio, directed by Bruce Seth Green. It aired February 9th, 1994, and it takes place uh, between Tuesday the 22nd and Thursday the 24th of March, 2258. John, what happens in this episode? Londo's career is in jeopardy when a beautiful enslaved person seduces him and steals a sensitive computer file. Meanwhile, Garibaldi investigates an unauthorized use of a restricted communications channel. Alan, what did you think of Born to the Purple? Well, I want to start by saying I never really figured out what they what the purple files are other than important. Um, they yeah, just, just kind like of confidential information, I guess. Yeah, he's an ambassador and this is a ship full of ambassadors. Any files you take off of this ship are probably going to be important unless it's yeah. like some guy on the down below's like the down below, is that what it's called? Yeah. Like yeah. his just like drawings of like his Arthur fan art or something that's not important. The, yeah, maybe it's locations of like bases or like plans or spy contacts or something like that entirely possible uh so this episode i i thought it was pretty fun it goes a lot of places and it's mostly a characterful episode with a lot of like good comedy and uh good lines here and there like it's just it's just fun it's very like it's more it's the more actiony episode i would say of these of these two yeah um because the second one just kind of like backloads all of its action into the thought into the fourth act um but yeah, I love Londo. I, and this episode starts with some really good Londo stuff. Uh, he is at the sexy bar watching the cool dancer with the very, very cool hair. Um, mm-hmm. She, it's like most, it's like 90% shaved and then she just has like a ponytail on the back. Mm-hmm. And he's all excited and he's like um, having a good time with with that. And then I think Jakar comes by and he says, um, of all things in life, our female's not the best our female's not the finest. And then Jakar is like, man, Londo, of all the dumb shit you've ever said, that one, <laughs> I agree with. All right. <laughs> it's like, Bleh. Toxic masculinity knows no bounds. Bros before them all. <laughs> so if there's, any, if there's anything for them to bond over, I guess it's women. That's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. I, I wasn't sold on this one right away because the idea of, like, Londo has sex with, like, a pretty dancer lady and then things go bad, like, doesn't necessarily sound very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, it means that there's a lot of, like, chasing and tension, and we learn about, like, the different class politics of the Centauri, and, like, and it, I ended up liking it more than the setup led me to think I would. What did you think overall? Yeah. Um, I I share those sentiments that at the beginning of the episode I was – kind of trying to find my sea legs a little bit in terms of how steady I felt with enjoying it. Um, but by the end of it, I was completely invested in the emotional relationship between Londo and Adira. And I was very sad <laughs> that she had to go. Yeah. Um, and this entire emotional arc for me is punctuated by the side scenes of Garibaldi and, uh, Ivanova yeah right that's your name right yes yes um where i just like i must have been asleep <laughs> i must have every time it cut to them i must have fallen asleep and woken up when they cut back because i that plot did not stick with me at all oh that's tragic because it's really good oh. i mean it's it's it kind of isn't to be to be fair it isn't good during the whole thing it's the last scene that makes it all worth it sure the last scene 
as a scene is great. It's good. Can yeah. We, can we just talk about that plot first and get it out sure. of the way? Sure. It's just it's that. Totally right? unconnected to the rest. So like Garibaldi's like somebody's using this communications channel. The gold I gotta channel. Figure out. Which I like the gold channel. I got to figure out who's doing it. Which part of the problem is that I didn't I didn't catch that that was what was going on at mm-hmm. the beginning because I guess my brain is just like oh it's Garibaldi and Ivanova. Uh, they're probably the B plot that I'm not going to care about, so I tuned them out. Um, which I would imagine is probably still best practice. It just happened to to bite me in this case. Um, but so then every scene they're checking in of like, well, have you figured it out? No, I haven't figured it out yet, but I'm going to figure it out. Well, when you figure it out, tell me you figured it out. All right, back to trying to figure well it do. out. Well, do yeah. Um, and so I. There was no point at which I was invested in it. And then all of a sudden there's this scene towards the end of the episode where Ivanova's on the the hall of, is it, do they call it like a hollow call or is it just a video call or what do they call it? It looks like a Skype video call. It doesn't look yeah. anything. It's futuristic. not a hologram. Right. It's on but, a screen. Yeah. So there it's a, whatever it's a call. She's on a call with her dad and then her dad launches into this, like I'm dying. Uh, I wasn't a great dad. I should have been like proud of you and like loved you and i didn't and she's like come on and he's like no i didn't love you and i was totally blindsided by it because i just was not paying attention to this plot at all (laughs) so this scene came out of nowhere of oh by the way it's her fucking dad and he's dead dying (laughs) right in front of you and i wasn't ready to to invest in that because the plot hadn't gotten me there so it came totally out of left field so i think the only thing that kind of had me a little bit ready for that was now Ivanova has had more than one plot where it seems like she's just being aloof and mean, but it turns out that her aloofness comes from emotions and from something, her connection to people, Uh, you know, relating back to her talking to Talia last time and and the whole like the Psycorp thing. This time she's, her interactions with Garibaldi are the typical like, don't worry about it. It's dumb. It's probably nothing. You're wasting your time as usual. Blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, I think it's the Russian, what is he called? The Russian consortium. He thinks mm-hmm. it's a Russian consortium hacker, which like Russian hacker is weird thinking emoji. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's all into that. And she's like, don't worry about it. Our people wouldn't do anything like that. And she's not like trying to be evasive. She's just trying to make him feel useless. And like, oh, I'm I, maybe I am wasting my time. But of course, Garibaldi is very persistent and he gets there and... You know, we start with the shot of the doctor and you're like, oh, my God, is this like something like Ivanova is like doing some secret bad thing? And then the doctor walks away and, and then she just talks to her dad and has this like very like it's not it is sad. But I think what is this five episodes into the show yeah. uh, or three episodes in whatever. Three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a little soon for me to be like i barely know ivanova well enough to know that this should like be really sad it's just like sad because it's too soon to kill her dad in a b plot yeah like it feels like a waste um of a really significant emotional moment for her as a character because i don't know there's another way to spin this where that could have been the climax of an episode that was about her you know and it would have hit more but here it's sort of like there isn't really emotional resonance to it. It's more of a kind of expository mm-hmm. scene because it just wasn't placed in a way where it was communicated to me that it was important. Um, 
And so instead, the point of the scene becomes, okay, like what you were saying, she's cold because her dad was cold or something. Um, but that's a waste of... <laughs> you had this dad. Don't kill this dad until it's like the best moment to kill this dad. Yeah. You got to save your dad kills. Because you also... You're... Now you can't go killing anybody else's dad either. Yeah, you have very few, you have precious few dad kills uh, or parent yeah. kills in general, and you burned one of them on episode three. Um, in a B plot. In a B plot. In a plot for a character where the like, main plot was about a guy <laughs> who was like having sex with someone who was spying on him. Right. It's a very silly A plot, and then it's like meanwhile in this B plot, and it also kind of doesn't give Gary Baldy much to do other than like he's, uh, you know, motivated, I guess. Like we don't yeah. we don't get anything good out of Garibaldi from this episode. That actor doesn't really have a lot to do, um, other than like be prodding with the hacking stuff. But um, yeah, he gets a moment at the end where he gets to be like nice and true. lets it go, which is a uh, it's a sweet moment between the two of them, and it shows that he cares. Which we learned from both these episodes that Garibaldi like gives a shit about the people around him. Yeah, um, so that's that's fine. It's just not a lot going on there. It's really not. And, like, if the show is trying to accelerate us to concluding that, like, yeah, Ivanova, even though she gives off this, like, really cold demeanor, is, like, very emotional and empathetic. All right, you did it. But then what? Like, we already have a character who's, like, very empathetic in, in Delenn. Um, and I think empathy is something that we should want to see out of every character on this show, mm-hmm. considering that it's a ship full of uh, ambassadors who need to understand like the wills of people and the average person, like they need to be humanized because if they're just like, if they stayed the whole show as cold and calculating, then, you know, it would be hard to believe that like, these were the people agreed upon to work on this ship. Mm -hmm. Um, But to shift back to the a plot and we can talk more about, you know, Londo and empathy and all that stuff. Sure. uh, We quickly find out that Adira is working for us. Her, her handler, I guess her owner named Trakis who is yeah. a Golian. He looks like a dumb vampire. Yeah, so uh, so first of all, the show decisively tells us that, yes, uh, people do have sex in space. It yeah. It happens, um, in case you were wondering if that was going to happen. And, like, Londo likes this lady, and he's late for a meeting where his buddy's playing his 2DS. Uh, <laughs> he's playing, like, Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> Yeah, and he gives a call, and he's like, listen, man, I was just having sex, so you got to cover for me. Tell Jakar I'm not coming. Tell Sinclair I'll be right there. That's basically <laughs> what he says. Yeah. <laughs> Jakar wants to be like, late. hey, check out my new buddy. Check out my new friend. Yeah, there's like a, what's his race? The Narn? Yeah. There's a female Narn person who's his co-ambassador now or something. Natoff, I believe is her name. Yeah. She's going to um, come back. And... Yeah, so Londo's late to the to the meeting, mm-hmm. and then it's revealed that she is spying on him, and she is enslaved to Trachis, mm-hmm. who's trying to get this information so he can sell it to the Narn, and or just like destroy the Centauri for some reason. Right, he he has a thing against the. I think he has a thing against the Centauri because he was a former slave of theirs. We I learn see. we learn a decent amount about Centauri culture in this episode. Yeah. Uh, again, like it's becoming a weekly thing now, but Londo's like 
weirdly poignant, like jokey line that actually teaches us a lot was um, well, he has two. One of them is he's just talking about uh, the Centauri as people and why he loves uh, Adira. And he says, we Centauri live our lives for appearances, which is just fascinating from like a priority perspective. Like that is what they, they think about is like, how does this look? It's like sort of a how in certain Eastern cultures, like the idea of saving face, like it's not about what you do, but it's how you appear mm. to people. Yeah. So that's clearly a thing in their culture. And then also, uh, you know, you can have, you can, you can be in a relationship with a, with a sort of like a dancer or a person that's considered to be of lower class. And that's not a bad thing as long as they are like a physically attractive and, or be like interesting to talk to, which gets into this whole, like, I honestly, the connection I kept, coming back to was that it reminded me of like pretty woman where mm. it was yeah, like yeah. oh like i want you're beautiful in your own way and i want to like parade you around and show people that show the rich people that you can all that even like common people can be beautiful i th- i i really loved londo in this episode because of that theme that you're talking about where and this is this is what i'm consistently liking about it, his character he's sort of in the the autumn of his years and he's looking back on his career and the acclaim that he's amassed and uh, his society. And he's becoming critical of it and cynical about it um, in a way where we talked last episode. He said something about how he's apathetic to the idea of peace yeah, because he's yep. seen it fall apart so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, in this episode, when he and Adira are done having sex and she talks about like his title and how it's so impressive. He's like, Oh, that's like, that's why you wanted to have sex with me because I'm an ambassador. Um, Like he's kind of disdainful of that and he wants to separate himself from it. So it's what we can see in Londo is how achieving your ambitions can actually be, um, can feel restrictive Mm -hmm. and can in some ways suppress your, what you want and who you are. Um, and there are a few lines in the episode that, that speak to that, uh, similar to what you were saying. She asks, he like wants her to go to dinner with him. He brings her those nice flowers that they made at a Michael's. Um, (laughs) and she says, what if we're seen together? What will people say? He says, they will say, and he pauses and he's like, for a moment, he's like, maybe I am worried about this. Well, no, I'm not. They will say ambassador Malari is a very fortunate man. Right. And then he says, when I look beneath the mask, I am forced to wear. Uh, this is this is my favorite part. When I look beneath the mask, I'm forced to wear. I see only emptiness. And then, then I think of you and I say to hell with appearances. It's like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Babylon five. Just hell yeah. Me, do it up. Fill me up with that. He even straight up says, I think in maybe in that same scene, he says, you know, I'm, I'm nothing but a sad Republican. Like, he has acknowledged his position in the world and wants to exist outside of it, but he still feels kind of trapped by this and and is doing his best to get away from this, like, thing about appearances and the culture's obsession with, like, who you're with and what you look like and how you speak and all this stuff. Yeah. I genuinely wondered when he finds out. So she goes to dinner with him and they're cutesy and Sinclair sees them at the restaurant and is like, "Take take a look at them, huh? Uh, they're having fun. He says something like that too. Yeah. Uh, what's her face? And who's he with? The psych- the psychic lady? Talia. Yeah. Talia. Thank you. Um, Talia. 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 He 
they're together at dinner. And then Adira somehow poisons uh, Londo. And she, she puts it in his drink, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She puts puts it in his drink. And then mm-hmm. she uses that <laughs> like space age <laughs> sex toy to extract his truth or something. Or to like make him tell the truth. It's a question. She I was steals so the conf- files. I was so confused by the specifics of that because it's like she put like a sex toy walkie-talkie on his forehead and she was like, say where your code is. And he's like, the location where my code is under my backpack. (laughs) And then, but he's unconscious. So it's like she's waking a part of his brain up that can speak. It's very weird. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, Seals the files. files. And then she doesn't give them to her boss, but she tries to just escape. Um. And then Londo finds out from Trachis. Trachis is trying to now play it from the other angle. And where I, where I had a genuine wondering was Londo was pissed when he yeah. found out the truth of the situation. And simultaneously, he learns that she stole files and that she was actually not just a dancer, but a slave. And that made me wonder... Like that moment where he's really angry, is there a trace of that where he's like, there are these class pressures that are weighing on him and that he has a visceral reaction to? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if he's, if she's a dancer, then like we can work around that. And like we understand, like I don't care what appearance is, but then she's a slave. Then yeah. we're having a different conversation. And it's like, right. Hmm. It made me wonder if, if it was different or if what he was upset about was that she stole his stuff or that she lied to him right yeah i think it being an episode and being a plot about appearances and the importance of appearances like having her betray her appearance ends up being part of why he gets so mad it's like oh you aren't who i thought you were and i shared something personal about of myself with you and you're like not even you don't even care you weren't even here for that yeah like you were my you were my path to feeling like myself again Right. Outside of this this sort of prison of my station and what's expected of me. So so what ends up what's cool is we we mostly focus after this point on the investigation of this uh, from like Sinclair and Jakar and all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they go to uh, they are going to the guy who runs the nightclub that she works at. And also like the guy who has all the dancers in the back who looks like. Uh, just like his name is Ock. He's just the club owner. He's got like a big cigar, and yeah. just looks like a like weird nineteen fifties uh, gangster. But also he's an alien. It's very silly. Um, and he's like, "Yo, here's all the dancers." And then they like get the dancers to share the secrets of like where she went and where she's going. Yeah. Um, and then I also just really liked this scene because this is another one where Sinclair is bringing a lot of like energy and happiness to his investigation. Like, he, he's always, like, when he knows what he's doing, he's so confident and, like, ready to go at a, yeah. at a moment's notice. Um, I end up finding it really funny, but in a good way. Like, in the in the sort of, like, last scene of this plot, just to jump ahead a teensy bit, um, everybody's sitting around this table, and uh, Jakar, at the end of it, is pissed because he's been used. He was told one thing, that he was going to, like, buy something from the guy, and then he it turns out that's not what they're doing. What they're really doing is... Talia is getting uh, uh, what's his face? Adira's Trachis location, yeah. Out of Adira's location, out of Trachis, and it's just very—it's played almost like ridiculous and silly. 
Because he's like, yeah, the moment where they get it is very, very silly. Londo's like, take that and another kick. She kicks his ass because she's like, you know, I'm a telepath. And he's like, wait, what did you, you said you weren't going to bring? That's not fair. And then she's like, no, I'm only used for like, if you say bad things, definitely don't think about stuff like, uh, I don't know, like uh, Adira's location, for example. And he's like, wait, what? Uh, and she's like, it's over there. Hmm. <laughs> and then Londo's like, sick, punch, punch. Um, it's very, it's like ridiculous. Yeah. In a good way, though. I think the show bounces back and forth between like really it. silly and really like serious. I like it. Just yeah. a note on Sinclair. Yeah. I love Sinclair. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I love Londo in a way that's not ironic. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I, I love, I'm starting to love Garibaldi in a way that's not ironic. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Ivanova. I think she's great. Like, most of these characters, my affection for them is not based in, and here's this ridiculous part of them. Except maybe, like, the typical sci-fi like whoa they got weird hair i got a crazy costume yeah sort of stuff but with sinclair it's like before every scene somebody's grabbing him by the shoulders and saying all right man so i want you to do this scene like space balls but serious (laughs) are you referring to this episode or the second one every everything (laughs) that sinclair does his whole character is like he's the serious character in a slapstick comedy yeah, he's the grumpy boss. But then, like, this this scene where he's talking to the gangster guy and then also in the end of the second episode, it's like sometimes Sinclair says really smart, poignant stuff, and then sometimes he's just, like, ridiculous. Yeah. It's just like, oh, everyone's freaking out. Like, Ugh. just like, I don't know what that actor is going for sometimes. Because, yeah, that's what like, I'm saying. Yeah. Right. It, I, I just, I, I don't know if the, the performance is, like, pinpoint what it needs to be yet. Uh, or if it's clear to us, but maybe we're just, you know, it's something that'll build over time. But yeah, I agree that it's really strange. Um, Trachis, meanwhile, I forgot to mention, also says hi to Nagraf again, our favorite bug information dealer, which is Have cool. Have we seen him before? Yeah, he was in, uh, in like the last episode, the Soul Hunter episode, where the Soul Hunter was like, hey, can I get maps? And then he's like, yeah, hell yeah, dude, what's up? Oh, okay. I got maps. So Nagraf is now a recurring boy. Um, that stuff that we talked about, though, pretty much wraps up the episode. You know, they they save the girl, and then Londo has this really nice, like, almost profound conversation with Adira. Um, mm-hmm. And then he just kind of gets horny at the end. He's just like, oh, maybe someday I'll find a girl that, like, that I can actually keep around. And, like, you're still really beautiful. And it's like, Londo. Yeah. Londo. Well, you know, he, like, tries to have his dignity by saying, listen, I've been in love many times. I've had my heart broken many times, and that's just how it's going to go, and it'll be okay. But you could stay if you want, and that feels that feels real. That's how it goes. Yeah, and he tell, he gives her his brooch, his brooch, and then says like, "Wear it proudly as a free woman." And she promises in that moment to come back to him, and it's like, oh, you know, she she gets her agency. She earned her agency, mm-hmm. or she it was given to her, I guess. And then the last line is her saying to him is her saying goodbye, my ambassador. Yeah, and it's like you know. Even after all this and the love that they shared, at the end of the day, that's who you are, Londo. You're that's her your ambassador. Job. Like, you are less important than your role. Right. It's your, it's your title. by that. And it's, like, yeah. kind of sweet but kind of sad. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, Babylon 5, so far in a nutshell. Yeah. Kind of sweet but kind of sad. What um, I... 
what I um, was reflecting on when I was watching this was that it seems like we always try to come up with like the thesis of a show, mm-hmm. you know, and to me so far, the thesis of Babylon 5 is is the writers going, and this is why we can't have nice things, <laughs> except, I mean, could we? No. Could we? No, we, we no. can't, but, but, but maybe we could. <laughs> Right. Well, there's such a hope to that. There's such a hope to like, it's constantly going badly for people. And I think we're going to talk about it, but the end of the second episode is like pitch perfect what you're talking about. Yeah. Where it's like, how cool would it be if we could, oh, never mind. What? Okay. And there is an optimism and there's a like, we might as well keep going. It's worth it to keep going like in the final interview scene. But um, yeah, like even though we know that the good things are doomed, peace is doomed, love is doomed. Everything beautiful and wonderful that we could have is doomed to fail or to die. And right. we're going to try anyway. And that's the show. Yeah. And I respect that a lot. I think that's very good. Did you have any stray notes about this episode? Yes, I did, sir. Delicious. Okay. Let's see. For some reason, my first note is just me writing, yes, and you can kiss my plump Centauri. I think I forgot to write, but. But. And I don't know what I was referring to. I think Londo and Jakar were like being that. sassy yeah, at each other at the beginning. Each other. Um, there's a guy in the bar who says, hey, Hotspot, how about you and me blow this joint and go play Scan the Sector? <laughs> and I just wrote, someone's nephew, Neil, did an okay job with that line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that I have a note about that because that's the guy who's like trying to flirt with Jakar's new like Narn friend. Yeah. And she's like, um, and then she just like throws him. Like he just like yeah, physically yeah, yeah. goes several feet. It's like, yeah, that's what you do. That's what you do to guys like that. Just take him out of the room. It's awesome. Somebody says, these are my better days, Londo. Who says that? I think Adira says that. Um, he's talking about like in my bed. He says something about in my better days, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, these are my better days, Londo, because of you. Like because of the work that you're doing as an, as an ambassador. You're making right. the lives of your people better, which is cool. Yeah. I was glad that she did the vampire accent, too. So we know that it's a thing and it's not just a Londo thing? Yeah, and it's not just him for no reason doing it. Because <laughs> Veer kind of does it, but in a different way, not as much. Yeah. Um. Okay, so either Londo's sex hair looks no different than his normal hair, or he always has just had sex, sex hair <laughs> we are coming to the episodes every time with him just coming from a fresh fuck like <laughs> yeah and that's why his hair looks like that mm-hmm. his hair um, looks like a fan like if he bowed at me i would be cooled down that's what i think. yeah um Trachis has a great line where he says that's how they play the game isn't it whispers in the dark knife in the back delicious spooky mm-hmm. spooky um what if we're seen together? Oh, uh, drinking game, Babylon 5 drinking game. First rule, Ooh. drink when Garibaldi punches a panel and says, damn, <laughs> damn. Yeah, this was like perfect for our damn counter of him just going like, damn, damn. You do it like five times damn. in a row. Yeah, yeah, you'll be dead very quick Yeah, if you're doing like shots. Um, did you have another one? Sorry. Oh, I, I have a few. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The woman playing Adira is really good. Yeah, like, like better than you think, right? strong performance for a side character in one episode kind of thing. Mm-hmm. She Fabiana Udenio is the actress's name. Um, it was one of those performances where I could tell exactly what the character was feeling just by looking at her face. Right, right, right. She's Argentinian, fun fact. Oh, that's cool. Mm, yeah. Um, 
I wrote this weekend unnecessary jokes. Londo says, oh, Sinclair's like, I'll only help you if you agree to my, my peace deal. And then Londo says, I shall even seal it with a kiss. And Sinclair says, that should make Jakar's day. It's like, okay, <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, Chuck Norris was in this episode very briefly. Yeah, so that was going to be one of my notes. The, yeah. like part of them I'm out of invest- notes, by the way, so you can do all yours. Part of them like investigating this was they hired these two uh, bounty hunters. And yeah, one of them is straight up like Chuck Norris with like very cool sunglasses mm-hmm. uh, and a dumb pistol. And the other one is like a, a B-tier Star Wars villain in another leather jacket. They look awesome. They're like way too cool to be on this yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> I love leather jackets. I love this guy's dumb sunglasses. It's just the right mix of like sort of modern cool with also like sci-fi cool. I also like that they... Those guys would have killed them if, yeah, someone they had, if the bounty hunters hadn't gotten the call that was like, all right, you don't have to worry about them anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they they, they, they really like pulled the emergency lever immediately. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, had a part here about the Centauri and then, oh, oh yeah, big fan of, yeah, this was a thing. When it was like Sinclair and Talia were sitting in the bar watching Londo and stuff. Sinclair yeah. is in this like crisp burgundy sh- suit with like a blue dress yes. shirt under it. Yes, he it's is. like oh, mwah, mwah, mwah. this is very good. <laughs> this is a crispy suit. It's like kind of velour esque. Like I love this. Yeah. And then Talia just has like very ninety shoulder pads going on. My mom wore those a lot. I always think about that oh, yeah. <laughs> whenever I see people with shoulder pads. Oh yeah. It's a powerful. It's a powerful. It's like a, it was like originally a business lady thing, and then it was like no, this is just like I'm going out, kind of look um funny moment uh kind of subtle both londo when he gives veer like basically access to being the ambassador for oh a yeah day, i forgot about that yeah he goes just don't give away the home world like the one thing you d- don't do and then Veer's like no no i got it like this is gonna be awesome he's like don't give away the home world and then later in the episode uh shakar does the same thing with uh kodaf because he's dealing with the plot and he he says just don't give away the home world and it's like yeah huh. that's cute Oh, we're all of the same group of people at the end of the day. Um, yep, big fan of the leather jackets. Uh, I was very confused at first with the Ivanova TV screen because I thought, I like I said, I thought like something really nasty was going on. Um, and again, this was one of those endings where it felt like it ended five times, and then it was like, and then yeah. Londo and the girl, and then they catch the guy, and then blah blah blah. Yeah, the second one had a weird thing like that too. Yeah. A weird kind of final moment that we'll talk about. And my final note was that uh, Fabiano Udenio, who plays uh, Adira, also played a lot of vagina in Austin Powers International Man of Mystery. (laughs) So that's where we're at in the world. That's the first one, right? Yeah. Awesome. She's doing good work. Um, I remember being really sad when she turned out to be an evil robot at the beginning of the second (laughs) one. Oh, she like, was yeah. She had like the boobs with like the laser boobs. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was like what? I cried. No, not a lot. Of. I, I trusted you. I trusted you. Yeah, man. I can't wait till we do our Austin Powers podcast. Oh yeah. I'm gonna bite my tongue, and I'm gonna not say that that'll never happen because who the fuck knows what the future can, might we hold. We can watch the first Austin Powers as a commentary. Yeah, and why just not? see if it holds up. I think there's value in that visiting, revisiting comedy movies that were huge like 20 25 years ago 
and then seeing does this how badly has this aged right because you got a question of does it age badly it's like but how badly yeah it's austin powers It, it has aged badly but yeah to what extent right so stay tuned to the patreon feed for that maybe and uh we will be right back after this fun little break to discuss infection welcome back to chat salon five the second episode we watched this week was Season 1, Episode 4, Infection. Written by J. Michael Straczynski, directed by Richard Compton. It aired February 18th, 1994, and it is set on Tuesday, March 8th, 2258. Um, by the way, Alan, you're not born yet, right? Shit, you're right. I am not born yet. Yeah. So I'm still a concept. I'm born. I'm born. But, I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy you're Alan's, born. Alan's not born. Are you? Is are we gonna go the whole first season before you're born? Maybe, right? I don't want people to know the day I was born. We don't have to say the day, but you know, I'll look into it. I'll look into it. Okay. Can you just look into it right now? Yes, dude. Totally, dude. Of course I can. I Thank will you. have been born before season one finished. Yes. Okay. Well, when we hit that point, uh, it'll be a big celebration. We'll celebrate your birthday. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, by the way, Alan, hello. You're still Hi. here, and I'm still here. Yeah. What happened in this episode? Infection. Well, Magellan, Dr. Franklin gets a visit from old friend and mentor, xenoarchaeologist Dr. Hendricks. He wants Franklin's help to analyze high-tech organic artifacts that he found on a dead world. Mm. The artifacts seem to have a will of their own, though. Ooh. Fuck. Oh. So that's always the case with artifacts. Yeah, they never they're never just artifacts. It's never been fine <laughs> when you find an artifact. Well, so that's here's my my favorite thing about this episode. Well, it my favorite thing is the conversation at the end, but one of my favorite things is just Dr. Franklin really understands what our thing is with like aliens on the ship or artifacts on the ship. Like he knows like why would you dig up ancient things if all you're gonna find out is like oh they were evil or like oh it was like a whole society like he doesn't understand the idea that you would bring this thing here and try to like research it and get research grants to discover old things he's like no i deal like he says like i deal with things that are alive and here and present i don't deal with the past and i respect that a lot um i think dr franklin comes out of this episode really like it does a lot to build our like our, our impression of him positively um, cause we meet his, his doctor friend, Dr. Vance Hendricks, which is a very good name. Um, who's a very ambitious guy and he comes on and he's like, yo, check out this sick rock I found. It's pretty cool. And they have a lot of good conversations and then some bad stuff happens and the episode gets kind of muddy there. But I mean, what did you think of, of, of infection in general? Um, it just, it was kind of just a dumb sci-fi episode for a while and then, suddenly it became a Sinclair episode out of nowhere <laughs> and at first it was a ridiculous Sinclair episode and then that that scene hits with Garibaldi talking to Sinclair and I was like okay I'm back on board Babylon 5 is like the show it's the whole show yeah yeah there's so there's a lot going on there's a they're, they're juggling a decent amount of plates like one of the first things and i think the first scene is uh mrs kramer comes onto the onto the ship she's a um, news reporter for interstellar network news and yeah. she's really charming and like very um 
I guess spunky is the word, but she's like older, sure, so it's not yeah. like she's not like a thirteen year old who's like I'm gonna solve mysteries. She's like, I want to interrogate these people and understand why, because this is Babylon Five's second anniversary, so she's trying to like do an expose on the ship and the people who are on it and everything. Yeah, isn't it and, their first anniversary? Like it's been a year. It has been one year. I think you're right. I have yeah. here written second anniversary, but I could be wrong. I think it was first. Um, that's what it was. Yeah, and she asks each of the crew members she's trying to get each of the crew members to tell her something about the ship and what they think or at least each of the like ambassadors and and you know most of the time is talking to garibaldi and having a lot of awkward where he's stuff where he's like come on you come on interview me i'm cool i'm cool like you should well whatever like you know we don't want to have much going on here and then she's like hey you um you were like fired like five times before you got on this ship like what's up with that and he's like i don't want to be interviewed anymore <laughs> basically <laughs> um it's like ready for it and then not ready for it and she spends the whole episode like trying to get to sinclair but then uh i thought it was funny that they're like um sorry there's like a whole like plot there's like an a plot going on so he's really busy right now yeah. because there's probably an a plot going on on babylon 5 that sinclair has to deal with like almost every day of the week yeah probably ones that we don't even see Total, like hundreds show. of them yeah yeah it's just like oh there's like a weird thing someone brought a weird thing on or we have to like have some diplomatic stuff happening and all this like he's always gonna be busy he's not just gonna be like it's not gonna there isn't like a standard quiet day on babylon 5 i don't think so um, yeah probably not which she talks about and she it's cool um that she is our 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 lens to see what earth thinks of the babylon 5 project the babylon project yeah because um you know she says like hey nobody thought you guys were gonna make it this idea of like we brought a bunch of people together to help like humans and aliens get along um how the hell did that work how did you guys make it this long what was your secret what was your whole thing um and she doesn't really get her answer until the very end when she talks to sinclair mm-hmm. but uh yeah i'm really fascinated as we go further going on seeing how uh, the people of Earth think about not only Babylon 5 but like conflict and what they want and what they're trying mm-hmm. to do because there's like clearly there's factions and rebels that we know about and you know they're all post Earthman Bari war but there's obviously we talked about like still elections and still um, national identity all this stuff yeah it's the same stuff that we're dealing with in our current society with regard to globalization and then backlash to globalization it's just that but it's like space spacization yeah well planet planetism instead of nationalism right you know the the conversation at the end was like hey was it worth it to go to space and then sinclair's like hell yeah it was worth it of course it was that's that scene was weird to me how so because i mean i get it i think it's a great message um and i like his point that he's making at the end of listen one day all these scientists disagree on a lot of things but the one thing they can agree on is that the sun at some point's gonna gonna die and then we're gonna have to go to space but then first of all the one thing that's weird is he goes it won't just take us it'll take marilyn monroe and bunch of other famous fucking yeah people. <laughs> <James> <laughs> marilyn monroe is the first person he names yeah he's like marilyn monroe mahatma gandhi yeah yeah, yeah. james franco <laughs> like what the guy doing, from the six flags commercials <laughs> um 
but it just tonally felt really odd and kind of tacked on. This is what I was referring to when we were talking uh, in the first half about episodes having multiple endings in a row. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It feels like Babylon 5 is doing a sort of like post credit scene right after the last scene in a way that the pacing is always a little off and it feels like it's J. Michael Straczynski just lecturing at the audience. Um, I don't know. So I, I wasn't crazy about it, but I mean, there are parts of it I liked. A perfect to me a perfect ending to this episode would be Ivanova saying if you need me I'll be over there getting drunk with the rest of the aliens bam yeah. you did it perfect Boom. line hit, sums everything the up theme beautiful in the character's voice yeah the interview thing can could have like fit in somewhere else in the episode it as the final note makes it like carry way more weight than it needs to and it's like yeah I know like space is good that's like every sci-fi sh- every sci-fi should takes place in space is confronting what happens when we go there. That's kind of what they do. Um, That's a great point. Yeah, because I think if this scene happened like at the end of the second act or something, I would be raving about it and saying it's great. But I guess it is just a matter of prioritization. And it's a similar thing that we talked about with Ivanova's story with her dad, where the reason that we were bothered by it is because it was not prioritized in a way that felt... um, uh, proportional to what it could be and so the same thing is here but in the other direction where they're placing undue stress on this thing that if you had just presented it as a kind of like mundane part of his job then it would pack a lot more punch yeah and, and like you're saying it's it's much less didactic to have Ivanova um gesture at the theme in the final moment as opposed to Sinclair saying and the moral of the story is go to space (laughs) well because what you can do and I don't mean to like tell the writers on this 20 plus year old show how to do their job but like have him do that in the end of the second act and then have him talk to the Ikaran and be like hey earth is pretty fucked up but we're working hard towards it because that feels like a more linear progression of the theme than like ending on like yeah space is good yeah i know space is good and then what and if the the, the, the and then what is what happened 10 minutes up before that where he like spoke to a parasite from another world about like why um <laughs> like racism is bad basically yeah uh, it's pretty wild. Like, and it also was odd to me because it kind of undercut. Uh, it it felt, yeah, in the wrong order for the theme and also in the wrong order for Sinclair's arc in the episode. Mm-hmm. Because essentially by the end of the episode, and we're kind of jumping around and not telling the plot of the story, and I hope that's okay. Because I kind of just want to talk about the scene with Garibaldi and Sinclair. Um can we do that? Can we actually hold pause on this? I'll come back to this thought. Can we just tell the plot of the episode and get that out of the way? Yeah, this is, you know, why this is the summaries. Like, if this, uh, this is why I'm always like, maybe I should just, like, write full episode summaries so that, like, that is out of the way and then we can get into things. But basically, uh, the adventurer guy and his partner, Kramer, bring a, a, a artifact on the ship. And, that could uh, create a living ship. <gasps> a, a, a blueprint for living machines, which is a weird... It's a cool Farscape crossover. Uh-huh. Uh, Nelson Drake is his assistant's name. He touches the artifact. He becomes an evil Mega Man. They chase him through the ship. They find out that uh, the parasite infecting him is uh, of the Ikaran race, who after decades of war, of getting almost wiped out, they made a weapon that made it so... Uh, 
you could they like had like organic weapons which were designed to not respond to anyone who was not pure Ikaran. And mm-hmm. the problem was that the people who defined what pure Ikaran was were like religious fanatics and extremists. Um, so like a ton of them were deployed and then basically they wiped out their own culture because nobody fit the definition of pure to them. Mm-hmm. And so this Ikaran realizes that and Sinclair is like, look inside the mind of the guy you're in. And then he does. And he goes, oh, shit, my planet's been, like, gone for a thousand years. Rips his fucking heart out, dies. Mm-hmm. And Sinclair's yep. like, I'm awesome. Also, yeah. Earth is good, and we should go to space. Yeah. And we'll we'll dig into the that uh, theme more in a second. Uh, but I, I just wanted to get to this scene of Sinclair talking to Garibaldi. Sure. And... Because throughout Sinclair's fight with this beefed up, super scary, uh, organic cyborg guy who can shoot beams from his hand, (laughs) throughout the whole fight, I'm like, why is the commander of Babylon 5 the guy who's fighting this guy? He takes, like, they have a bunch of soldiers who have, like, guns, and he's like, give me your gun. And one of them just gives it to him, and he's like, I'll take care of it. I'm ready to do a noble sacrifice. And it's like, why, dude? That's such that a is dumb not idea. the best use of you. And then he's down there, and he's like, Ivanova, seal the things. Just, like, kill this thing. And she's like, but you'll die. And he's like, yeah. Worth it. Hell yeah. I don't care. I'm going to die anyway. And she's like, okay, I'll just kill you commander of babylon 5 so through the whole thing i'm 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 like what is going on and then blessedly and this is where babylon 5 they really got me in episode three with londo i was like i love this this is great um and then this is when they really sold me on don't worry magellan we're not going to do stuff like that because garibaldi sits down with sinclair and he's like hey uh that didn't make any fucking sense you being down there fighting that thing was a bad idea. Yeah. The fact that you're doing that means that you are trying to die. You are trying to commit suicide by like heroic act because you have nothing that else that makes your life meaningful. The line that he says is some people call that being a hero. Maybe so. I don't know. I've never been one. I think they're looking for something worth dying for because it's easier than finding something worth living Live for. for. Yes. Yes. Slam dunk Garibaldi. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Sinclair says finished because he's just like, he's right. Garibaldi says, yeah, I guess that covers it. Garibaldi leaves or goes to leave. And then Sinclair says, Michael, I don't have an answer for you. And I think maybe I should. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Um, anyway, so like that should be done. Sinclair's done for the episode. He's saying thanks for telling me that I'm trying to kill myself by being a big hotshot. And that's and you don't have to show Sinclair anymore. But then they show him again in that final scene and it kind of to me undercuts the revelation that he makes in that scene because in the final scene he has this still kind of surface level blasé confidence about his mission and his role and i would have preferred it a lot more i think if we'd seen him in the interview and then we saw well actually these are the things that he's like not confronting he's sort of letting the mission disguise the fact that he's dealing with some pretty serious psychological issues and Mm hang-ups that he's not he's not uh doing anything about 
So I don't know. I mean, it's fine. Like we're 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 harping on this scene and its placement just for the sake of the thought exercise. Ultimately, the message comes across, and we get all this information, and the episode is still good. It's just something. I think it's worth thinking about. Absolutely. And that's what our, our show is for, is for like digging way into d- deeper into stuff than the show even asks you to. Um, to play devil's advocate a little bit, I mean, part of it sure. is that they mention it's not only the fact that he's being sort of like trying to die in a blaze of glory because he has nothing to live for, but also uh, a lot of people coming out of the Earthman Bari War have a need to be the hero because yeah. they just kind of won and they like all won. Like when you're in a war for that long, with an entire other society, you tend to form like a, a sort of like human identity that strengthens and be a like hero complex of like, I want to be the guy on the front lines who go, goes out in a cool way. Um, yeah. And that's where Sinclair is coming from. But also um, putting that scene before the interview suggests that he is in the interview saying, no, this is what I'm here to live for. I'm here to confirm that yeah, it's worth going right, to space. I don't know. I'm, I'm just yeah. saying as like a different opinion. Like that's... No, that's a that's a good point. I think it's also the fact that he sits down to have the interview at all, I guess, is a significant character moment because he's yeah. been dodging it. Right. Okay. All right. Well, then I take it back. It's a lot of this episode. Again, we're getting we're, we're it's I'm constantly struggling with like, is this what this episode is about? Or is this what the show is about? Um, it's like deciding what's worth caring about, which I love. Mm-hmm. And this is why mm-hmm. we're critical of this stuff is because that's like, the best most ripe ground for like development in any tv show is like what do i live for what is my purpose and like people questioning that because that's the most human question we can ask Um, and it also kind of relates to the whole role of being an ambassador you know where you have to make decisions about well what is it that i actually care about in this situation what am i not willing to compromise on and where am i willing to let them have a little something Right, exactly, and yeah. it comes. It goes back to uh, Dr. Franklin's whole conversation with his buddy Hendrix, where he's like, "I understand that. I love this conversation. I love this like back and forth from a doctor and an archaeologist talking about like sure his like it used to be about the music man kind of conversation. Yeah, him. and it, yeah. <laughs> basically, well, he's like." you know everybody you're like what's the point of archaeology if you're just working the only people who are funding your shit are corporations who are going to steal anything you find that's a weapon they're going to take it and they're going to use it to like kill people and that's the only thing that's going to get you paid and that's the only reason only thing you're going to get done and you know Hendrix is like no but like the things I have seen in my adventures would blow your fucking mind and they're all amazing and they're like life affirming and it's worth exploring also and he just sleeps sneak uh it's another like the writer sneaking a dig in at real life where he's like also uh nobody in their like no philanthropist or charity group in their right mind would ever give enough money to fund an archaeological dig except for a corporation yeah like that's the reason that corporations fund this stuff is because no one else is going to do it it's not just because like we chose that it's like we have no other option we're not going to get like a bunch of college students to raise money for us um we're going to get ipx interplanetary expeditions who, again, just to confirm that the show is taking the side of Franklin, they confirm at the end of the episode Interplanetary Expeditions is, like, a front for a bioweapons division. <laughs> like, yeah, that's... Uh, or they're a developer, yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's that's who you're working for. You should understand that and come to terms with that. And if you finished your mission here, you would have given weapons to, a, like, war company. 
Yeah. So deal with that. I also, you know, there's a dimension to that argument between Fra- Dr. Franklin, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And Hendrix, where really Franklin's principal objection doesn't seem like it's about weapons and about continuing the cycle of violence. It seems like his principal objection is uh, if you do this, you're just stealing things that other people made and you're not making anything yourself. Yep. That's that's a cool thing to know about Franklin, that what he really wants, and, and Hendrix says this, like, you want it to be the next sulk. You want it to be the next fam- other famous doctor. Yeah. Um, he wants to be the guy that makes the cure for something. It's not about, like, success or money or about even discovering something. It's about inventing something. And right. that Create is Create not destroy. And that's a distinction that we don't see happen a lot with like kind of academic characters that dispute between discover something that was made before versus create something totally new. You wouldn't think that those things would be in conflict with each other philosophically, but there is a conflict there. Right. And it, it's important that we have a character on the show who is saying that stuff about exploring other cultures because like, you know, this is sort of a counter to the Indiana Jones uh, thinking way of thinking of like, this thing is so important. We got to put it in a museum. And it's like, no, just don't touch it. It's not yeah. yours to touch this, this thing, like this society burned and, and like burned down because it destroyed itself in a really unfortunate way. And all we're getting out of recovering it is a, we're hurting people and B we are having to confront our own connections to this society, which is what the end yeah. of the episode posits where, uh, I think it's like Garibaldi and Ivanova are like shit and it's a really funny moment but they're like um, well at least this isn't going to happen to us like at least we're not going to have like a sort of like supremacy on earth where like certain people consider themselves better that that would be really bad wouldn't it and then this dude is like <laughs> hey so we found the weapon and we're giving it to Earth Force and they're going to confiscate it and they're like <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah same it, shit, different sandwich. Hundred percent. And then that's when yeah. she's just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'll be go drinking with the aliens." The I like to aliens, think she yeah. was like raising her voice for that line, being like, "Hey, hey, Earth people, mm-hmm. fuck off! You're trapped in your own your own loop forever." Yeah. It's very good. This is like the, this is the crunchy like philosophical stuff that this show does that I just I just adore. I'm into it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have a ton of like all over the place strange yeah notes, let's though. just do it let's just let's just fuck yeah we up. hit all the big stuff let's just fuck it up kenneth and and uh and get into our things here yeah um i love uh dr franklin period i relate to him a lot mm-hmm. and also um his first line he's like speaking of him wanting to discover stuff his first scene is him just like doing cool shit with a microscope and he says the line I've just about got the RNA strand where I want it. And I was like, what are you saying? <laughs> what are they saying? Like, this is just a good line. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Do you know what an RNA strand is, buddy? <laughs> yeah. It's just good. Just good, like, yeah. silly sci-fi shit. Um, um, oh, why don't you do all yours and then I'll do mine sure uh, just to admit yeah um, I believe it is Hendrix who when they're having that conversation ends it by being like savor the mystery Stephen we don't get nearly enough of them mm. which savor the mystery is a really good line I just love that and yeah, it, like it that. establishes that like even though Hendrix is portrayed as wrong at the end of this episode uh, he still has a good point yeah there's still something to learn from him 
Right, exactly. There's always somebody, something to learn. And he's like, they start the episode by being like, hey, old friend, like person who I like and spent a lot of my young years with. Like, it's not like they hate each other. They they come at each other from wanting to understand each other's ideologies. True. Um, this episode made me realize that the theme song says a place for humans and aliens to get along. Hmm. Which is fascinating because humans aren't aliens, I guess. But aren't we just aliens? Isn't that like what right. the show is trying to posit is that we're on we're no better than anyone else? Mm. But the show still says humans and aliens, and it feels like they're confronting that in a way that like maybe that'll change in future theme songs. Yeah, maybe. Um, but it's not just like that isn't that wasn't they they do talk about that. It's not just like a line in the theme song that gets thrown away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked all the scenes of the people being like, just sitting on computers and being like, oh, oh shit, energy spike. What's going on? Mm. And <laughs> they, they cracked open the archaeology box, the blueprint for living machines. Now I'm all scared. It's got like mm. green Hulk lightning in it. And um, related to like, I just love all the staff on the ship. I love that they have night shifts. Garibaldi is like, all right, guys, we did all of our shit. Let's go to bed. And the night guy will take care of it. And it's like, wait, mm. space? Yeah. Night shift. But I guess they're since the nature of the cylinder means that they have cycles like mm. a probably like a full rotation is a day because they're i think they're facing a sun um yeah. so they can still have a day in in babylon 5 which is interesting uh <laughs> i kept making jokes about mega man uh and then not oh yeah they straight up yeah hell yeah they straight up bring up nazis in the conversation about the Akarans. They're talking about like, oh, you're just mm-hmm. like the not, you're just like the Nazis. You're doing the thing where like, I know I I've heard of this before, where some of you think you're better than everyone else, and if we get rid of them, then we'll like clean out the society. Uh, this sounds very familiar. Thinking, thinking. Mm. Mm. Um, and that whole scene where Sinclair is talking to the Akarn, he's like really overacting in a very strange, bizarre way, where he's just like, yeah, it's intense. Eyes wide open, like kind of yelling and like his hair is all like crazy and he's like hey, we're all aliens to one another flawed impure we all freaking suck and when <laughs> and then he has that line um which i don't know if it's just a cool sounding line or if it's actually good where he says when you become obsessed with the enemy you become the enemy which mm. i'm I, not i think it's good i think that's a good line right yeah it's like okay he's saying he's saying a lot of things this line just happens to come in there and i was like wait that's huh okay and um, and then, yeah, I really liked that the episode at the end decided to, like, confront the sort of biases of Earth and be like, yeah, well, we're not having any of that. We're choosing to get away from that as a people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I got. Cool. Um, there's a line towards the beginning where Garibaldi, someone's like, when are you going to get this done? And he says, longer than a little while, faster than later. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I like just Garibaldi walking on for lines like that and then leaving. That's great. Just like a silly dad. Uh, I picked up on something from the intro, a line where they say the, that this is the last of the Babylon stations. Yeah, all the other ones were destroyed. I know, but it's not the that they're saying it's the most recent. They're saying it's the last one. Oh. So does that mean that this one is going to last forever or that it's going to blow up and they're not going to do anything to make another one? What does the word last mean? Hmm. I don't. I almost thought about Googling what happened to the other stations, but that's probably like huge. I think there'll there'll be episodes about that. Yeah, they will. I just confirmed it. <laughs> yep. 
Um, Hendrix looks like George Bush Senior, kind of, but like in a funhouse yeah, mirror. Yeah, 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 yeah. He totally does. You're right. Um, let's see. I really didn't think we were gonna get a Stephen episode, and I think the the or a Franklin episode. Yeah. And um, I think the writers gave up on it being that halfway through and made it a Sinclair episode. Yep, totally. Um, Sinclair is the master of the high status closed mouth laugh and head turn. It's sort of like, <laughs> hmm. 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 Yep. Um, he says this line, like this is the line where I'm like, what is what are they telling him to go for? Because he's talking about uh, something. I don't remember what it is. And he Sinclair says... Is? Yeah, I don't remember what they're talking about, but he says you couldn't find it with a hunting dog and a Ouija board. <laughs> and it's like, is that supposed what? to be like, is that supposed to be this sort of like folksy thing, or is it supposed to be yeah this photo comparison of Bush and the guy yeah, Vance Hendricks? Yeah, that's very similar. Um, is this supposed to be funny? Because I thought it was funny, and I guess it's supposed to be. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, how, tone, how his tone is like odd. How much they do or don't lead, lean into Sinclair being like a Southern guy is always weird. Because like, if you're gonna do that, just go John Crichton, like do it. Yeah, but don't like half do it. Yeah. Um. Let's see. <laughs> I wrote that I think the point of this episode is to teach us that the doctor's first name is Stephen, because <laughs> every one of Hendrix's lines is about calling him Stephen. Stephen. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah, Stephen Franklin. Um, da, 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 da. the I'm noticing the ensemble is like looser in this show than I expect it to be. There's no like place where everyone hangs out. Yeah, we which, haven't seen Jalen in like yeah. two episodes. Yeah, and Londo wasn't in this one at all, or Jakar. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to keep track of how central individual characters are to certain episodes. Yeah, it's a bit more realistic to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it works with like salary because like actors get paid for how much often get paid for how much they are on screen. Right. So there are just entire episodes where no one's on there, and it's like, yeah, in real life, you're not like Delenn has nothing to do with this. But like, does that actress is that actress getting paid enough? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's cool. I like it. Yeah, uh, I only have two notes left. The one thing about the Garibaldi Sinclair scene that was jarring to me was when Garibaldi called him Jeff, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Jeff." <laughs> I forgot. But I forgot Jeff. that his name is Jeff. <laughs> Not only is his name Jeffrey, but he can be short. It can be shortened to Jeff, and it will be by this guy. Yeah. And then um, the other note that I have is uh, just that Sinclair clearly invested enough points into charisma that he could see the dialogue option that makes the villain kill themselves instead of having to fight <laughs> the them. end of fallout one yeah yeah, yeah. The end of fallout one. yeah oh boy um yeah it's a it's a fun one i i like usually by the time we get to our second episode discussion i'm like ugh, this one's fine whenever and i like don't feel like i give it enough of a shot but this one i was like sure do it babylon 5 go off go for it yeah. do your thing yeah um so for next week, though, I'm curious what we're going to be watching on Chats oh, yeah? Online. Oh, you're curious, huh? I'm Mercurio, yeah. I bet you want me to tell you, huh? What is this character? I love him. I bet you him. want me to tell you, huh? It's like, uh, no, the, guy, no. the guy who forgot to pull it up, and, so, and now he's stuck in this Amazon commercial, and he's trying to get out of it. Okay. 
You ready? Uh huh. Now this summary of the first episode we're watching next week is. Uh, did I read this on air? I don't remember if I did. I don't think I did. We got off the call and then I read this to you because this got me very excited. Next week we're watching two more episodes of Babylon 5. The first is season one, episode five, The Parliament of Dreams. By the way, amazing title. Yep. The show has amazing episode titles. So is the, the next board. one. Oh. There's not a bad episode title. Hmm, true. There are some that are like whatever, like survive- Survivors is fine. Infection, like okay. Gets the point there across. Are no, there are no bad ones. Okay, yeah. the Parliament of Dreams. An assassin stalks Jakar while a conference on the religious beliefs of various alien cultures takes place. Already, I'm on board. Fire. Sentence, sentence number two. Sinclair meets an old girlfriend. Oh. Yes. Yes. Fuck me up. Yes. Fuck Thank it you. up. Perfect, I'm, I'm... perfect pairing. Mm. Uh, uh, sumptuous. Uh, sumptuous. That's like meatballs with sauce. That's really good. I love, I want Jakar. I want to fall in love with Jakar. I'm ready. I'm ready too. The second episode we're watching is season one, episode six, Mind War. Ten times Talia's, Yeah. Talia's former lover and teacher, or Talia, sorry, Talia's former lover and teacher, who can kill with pure thought, flees from the cops and ends up on Babylon 5. Are you joking, Babylon 5? <laughs> oh my God, I love it. I fucking love it. Oh, he's a dude. Never mind. I don't love it. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a cool lady. That's fine. I'll allow it. Gays weren't invented until uh, the year 2000. <laughs> Anyways, um, thank you. Thank you, dear listener. Thank you, Magellan. First of all, shout outs to Magellan. Continuing oh, yeah? this era of chats where we record from a damn high school, um, doing the damn work, doing the damn thing. Um, and bringing you the show that uh, just keeps going. So if you want to help us keep going, you can go ahead and check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash chatspod uh, over there. If you donate at $2 a month, just two, like you just like give up one coffee a month, dude. It's like, it's nothing. Yeah. Come on. Less than a coffee. If you're at Starbucks, uh, just, just eat one less kind bar. Yeah. You don't eat that kind bar. It's going to make you poopy afterwards. Yeah. You can yeah. get sometimes. Commentary. Hey, sometimes maybe you want to be poopy. Sometimes you well then then you just but get one of those. Sometimes you're too poopy. Yeah, it's way too poopy. What? <laughs> yeah, check out commentary chats for two dollars a month. You get us watching movies. If you like hearing us talk about movies and watching them, you get to do that. We're gonna be watching Labyrinth in October, and it's gonna be a spooky time. At five dollars a month, you can listen to Chats Nights, which is an every other week podcast where we just kind of tell stories and have fun and like have a nice kind. It's short. It's like a little bite. It's like a little snackum. Majan, yeah. did you know that a snackum is a real thing? Really? It's a thing. It? Snackum. We've been saying snackum for years now, just being like, oh, snackums, like, you know, like a small snack food. Okay. How are snack-um you? Snackum is like a small. So I... I'm not sure exactly. Someone told me this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it is. Snack apostrophe MMS. Snack. They're pickles. They're small pickles, dude. Apostrophe. I just sent you the page of it if you want to look at that. Snackums. It's fucking wild. Oh my god. Just yeah, a classic right? Vlasic snackums. It's just Vlasic. Get out of here, Vlasic. <laughs> oh, somebody yeah. passed me the garlic snackums. I. 
<laughs> so maybe people thought when we say like, oh, it's a nice tasty snack. I'm, they thought we were talking about pickles. We didn't know that. Oh, these the little time. pickles. I've had little pickles like this. I didn't know that they were called snackums. So you've had us. You've had snackums and a snackum. Yeah. Fantastic. I've had a uh, delicious, vla- delicious vlasic. What's co- <laughs> the worst name in the world? It's a tongue twister. A delicious vlasic kosher dill snackum pickle. Pickle. <laughs> Forgot the noun. Pickle. Pickle. Anyways, check that out. Email us chatspod at gmail.com at chatspod c h a t z p o d on Twitter. Uh, that's where you can get at the show. Magellan, where can people find you on the online? They can find me online on Twitter at JustaFluke. That's J-U-S-T-A-P-F-L-U-K-E. I tweet about once every few years. So <laughs> you're in for something eventually. Uh, you can also listen to my currently on hiatus program called Adulthood at adulthood.simplecast.fm. And it'll come back as soon as I figure out how to be a teacher without dying. I'm not dying. Without uh, only getting four hours of sleep a night. Magellan, are you yeah. serious? Yeah. Yes. Baby. 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 Oh, baby. Baby. Alan, what about you, dude? <laughs> you can uh, listen to me on two other podcasts. One is also on hiatus. It's called Fireside Friends. It's found at firesidefriends.net. It's where my friends Ryan, Katie, and I talk about pop culture. And you can listen to me on a currently updating podcast called The Garnet Wager, where my friend Six and I watch the Korean game show The Genius, and we play and invented a little macro game called Fantasy Genius. Uh, we're going to be starting season three very soon. We're taking a couple weeks off just to rejigger the rules and mm-hmm. like make sure everything is fun for the listener as well as for us. So check those things out. Yeah. Um, I feel like instead of a social media plug, since I'm not on social media anymore, I'm off yeah. the grid. Uh, I'm gonna give just, you. You know what we should do? Yeah, what up? Is we should just give people like, what's a little thing that you read or you watched? Oh, like a little waypoint. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> on like on uh, on the political gab fest, they do cocktail chatter, which yeah. is a pretentious way of uh, presenting it. But just like, yeah, I you know I saw this thing. If you want to think a thought, go look at it. What's your what's your what are we gonna call those chatsums? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm writing. Yeah. Yeah, Why I'm did you ask that as if there was going to be a better idea? <laughs> then chatsums. All right, what's your chatsum this week, boy? Uh, you know, I'm just really invested in this Eminem Machine Gun Kelly beef, dude. Oh my god. These guys are beefing. Yeah, they're pretty uh, pissed. Uh, they're pissed. I don't have one cuz I didn't think about it. But say you're you were going to do something totally different. For some reason, I assumed you were going to do this, and I was setting you up with a segment. Well, mine was kind of this. It's where okay. we, we right. pretty right. much had a mind meld there. Mine was going to be uh, we just recommend people do things, but that's way less likely to happen than like check yeah, out you this could thing. do that too, like a yeah. habit or like a thing that you did. That's a snack. That's a chat some. That's a chat. <laughs> so my chat some this week is going to be uh, if you ha- are have access to a movie theater and the money to go buy a movie ticket, just like. Mm-hmm. Go, like, look up screenings of old movies in your local theater and just, like, go watch a movie you haven't seen before. Um, I feel like people have so many problems. All of the problems that we have with watching movies in the theater these days, like, everything's expensive and the ads and, you know, it's uncomfortable and it's crowded. All of that goes away when you go watch a screener because there's no commercials, usually. And mm. you're watching a movie that's already known to be good because that's why it's getting a screening. So you don't have the feeling of, like, oh, did I waste $15? It's usually right. cheaper than a regular right. movie ticket. 
and you get to have a little exclusive feeling of like oh i watched a thing that was like in theaters for like a weekend and then it's gone like go do that just check it out or like you're saying like limited release things or also like classic movies that are being screened both either just go to a movie theater yeah i mean i i agree with you i think that it's so much more is lost than we realize when you watch a movie at home versus in the theater so if it's something that you know is good and you've like seen it before see it in the movie theater even if it's something like one of my favorite movie going experiences was i went in new york to um to nighthawk cinema yeah and on new year's day i watched when harry met sally Hell and yeah. I'd seen When Harry Met Sally before, and that's not a movie that has like explosions <laughs> and <laughs> would be great in the theater, but there's something, you know, that's kind of religious or spiritual or whatever about visiting the time in history when that movie was in theaters, you know? Right. And experiencing it the way that it was experienced it experienced when it first was there i don't know so yeah well i'll piggyback off that for now yeah. and then we'll both have chatsums next week delicious portable chatsums um my other addendum to that one is like you know being like go watch a movie in a theater makes us can can make us sound like old people but one uh too bad and two uh screenings well, are way, like way cheaper than like uh seeing a new movie in theaters I think the difference is like we're not saying that you should never watch a movie on your phone. That's no, bad. David Lynch. No, yeah. you can. Yeah, you can have an experience with a movie on your phone, but it's like, you know, there's a difference between watching a recording of a play and seeing a play, and maybe yeah. that difference is bigger than the difference between a movie on a screen versus a movie on a phone. But it's a different experience, and yeah. if you want to spend an half. If you want to spend an afternoon and you've got the money and you want to hang out with somebody but you don't really want to talk to them it's a great thing to do yeah maybe like so sometimes you'll sometimes you'll be like, like oh very serious like italian film and if you're into that fucking rock on sometimes they're screening a dragon ball z movie at the fenway theater and you're like sure why not it's, it's five o'clock in the afternoon on a monday like let's fucking do it um and then you do it and then you go walk around the target nearby and then you buy a lego minifigure <laughs> these nah. are things you can just do with your life so i recommend yeah. it uh, but yeah that's that's what we have this week thank you so so very much for listening to this episode of chatsalon 5 <laughs>